is Your Working Life, a show that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Laura Deck to the show. Laura, I'm so glad you're with me today. Me too. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. Oh, you're welcome. We go back a long time. We've been friends and colleagues. and <laughs> We do. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation today, Laura. And you're going to talk about how you've really navigated a non-linear career path to be nimble because you've pivoted and planned through the unplanned realities of life and career by being nimble. So thank you so much for your generosity. And I want to dive right in, Laura, because the good news is that job hopping and career shifting has really become the new normal. And you celebrate the philosophy of connecting at least one dot ahead so you can focus forward and take advantage of opportunities. So tell me more about how you actually put that into practice. Sure. I'm uh, happy to share my story. And I think it started really due to my personality and my upbringing at its core, I always believed that if you want something, you have to take proactive steps to get it and no one's going to hand it to you. And of course, it's very simple philosophy. But um, as we know, common sense isn't always common practice. So over the course of my career, and both career, professional and personal, there are two phrases that I live by. You don't know if you don't go and drops in the bucket. So for example, um, in my career, I always loved writing and I nurtured a dream of someday being a freelance writer. But working full time on a career I really enjoyed, running a household and raising two kids, often on my own, left me a little time for extracurricular activities. But I was determined to put a few drops in the dream bucket on the side. So I started by volunteering to write the newsletter for my daughter's soccer team, just to kind of get my feet wet. Um, Then I submitted an article about a family vacation to Bay Area Parent Magazine, and that's that like free magazine you get in your kid's doctor's office waiting room. And they published it, and they paid me $100. I mean, I felt like I won the lottery, and I was thrilled. So next I took a journalism class, Through UC Berkeley Extension, the professor liked my writing and offered me a paid freelance assignment for a magazine. So those opportunities wouldn't have happened if I didn't go, if I didn't put the wheels in motion and go. So I was able to kind of cultivate little things, my little drops in the bucket on the side, and there would be long stretches where I was so busy working and raising kids and just exhausted that... I didn't put anything in the bucket, but I kept going little by little, and eventually um, it paid off. That's awesome. I love the the drop-by-drop philosophy. You know, Laura, you've always been incredibly candid and authentic, and you talk about how life happens, and you've written about raising twins, an unanticipated divorce, and having to shift based on necessity. So let's go there. What lessons have you learned that others can really benefit from listening to the show today? Sure, Caroline. I mean, everyone has their challenges. And um, a friend said to me once, you know, if everyone put their challenges and problems and issues on the table, you'd take yours back. 
Um, so that always helps me stay humble and keep things in perspective. But I think, you know, as I look back and reflect as a businesswoman um, and a successful one, I often had this notion that I can apply the same methodology of managing projects to my personal life. You know, plan the work, work the plan. Well, haha, no surprise, life doesn't always work out that way. Um, and so in my case, in a span of like a two-year period of time, the tech bubble burst, my husband had a major midlife crisis and moved out, and I was laid off. Um, I had twins. They were seven at the time. Uh, so needless to say, all those events in a short period of time, completely unanticipated, rocked my world. So the first thing I did, uh, I took a solo trip to Paris. Now, that sounds kind of flip, but... Um, I had severance pay, a valid passport, the ability to be spontaneous for once in my working mom, mom life, and I had some time. So it was the best thing I ever did to just kind of clear my head and gain some perspective. So when I came back, uh, I worked my network. I told everyone I knew that I was changing jobs, and I cast a really wide net. And since now I was more solo parenting, I needed a flexible job close to home, which meant that my career trajectory would likely slow down, um, but my number one priority was obviously generating income, um, and number two, close behind that, was keeping my kids' lives as stable as possible. So at that point, I kind of I viewed my career path as more like a spigot or a, a lever that I could turn up or turn down depending on circumstances, but it was critical that I at least keep the water flowing. So my message to parents, especially moms, but, you know, moms and dads, um, is that you never know when life might throw you a curveball. And the whole mommy wars thing, it misses the entire point. Um, it's not a binary choice. Even if you have the luxury from, you know, from a financial standpoint to stay at home with your kids your spouse could lose his or her job, get in an accident, fall ill, or leave for whatever reason, like in my case. And so you owe it to yourself and to your kids to keep your skills current and relevant so you can re-enter the workforce at any time, whether or not it's a financial consideration. Everyone thinks, oh, that wouldn't happen to me, that wouldn't happen to me, but in my case, yeah, it did. Um, you know, a, a, like a triple whammy all at once. So... I was fortunate that um, I did have a good career going and I had a good arsenal of skills and I could, I could pivot and look for other opportunities. Thank you so much for your candor and your vulnerability going there. And I think that is a great comfort to so many listening because life does happen, you know, and the, and the hard mm -hmm. stuff happens when we least expect it. And by the way, well done you for going to Paris. You know, I firmly, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can understand why some people might be startled by that, but I want to reframe that and say, good for you, because that gave you a chance to self-nurture, to really take some time mm -hmm. to think about what do I need? And I think often um, that's not something we focus on. So well done you. I'm proud of you. Let, let's, let's riff on transferable skills, though. You are really the, the queen of transferable skills in the best possible way. Uh, and I know uh, our listeners may not know, but when you first uh, earned your undergrad degree, you were focusing on teaching. But at that time, the job market was not good for new teachers. So you took a different route and tapped those transferable skills and focused on education technology. So talk to me about the first pivot 
and how you remain current and savvy. You mentioned keep those tech skills up because it's all about being relevant, is it not? Yeah, it is, um, especially as the whole you know, industry and technology tools has changed, which I have experienced over my career without dating myself too much. Um, yeah, after I graduated from college uh, from UC Berkeley and then I got my teaching credential, it might be hard for people to believe, though, that there weren't that many teaching jobs in the Bay Area. Um, I'd have to go to a really small town down in the valley, a rural area, and I wasn't I was excited about teaching, but not moving away from my uh, home and family. And at the same time, the Apple II computer, there I have just dated myself, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the Apple II computer and the software industry were really taking off, especially in the classroom. So I made my first pivot and I leveraged my curriculum design skills and worked for a tech startup Um, evaluating the effectiveness of educational software. As a teacher uh, and with a teaching credential and knowledge of pedagogy, you know, I was a perfect candidate for that. So I was able to leverage the skills I had and gain some just personal computer skills. And then that role next led to developing computer-based training, which we now call e-learning. It's a little, you know, more hip and cool term. Uh, for corporate clients. So I went from teaching kids through educational software to teaching adults for training and uh, performance, um, computer-based training. And then that then eventually landed me an offer to start the change management practice in the San Francisco office of Accenture. Um, And so that was also paralleling industry changes that said it's not enough to just throw an enterprise-wide computer application out to clients like PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, or Pacific Bell, big clients. You know, if if the employees don't know how to use the software, you're not going to get the benefits of that technology. So the change management and human performance practice started at Accenture, and I was one of the first hires since I came in with a little experience doing this. So some of that was right place in the right time, but um, I, so I really learned the importance of keeping my technical skills up to date. So I always had many arrows in my quiver, and if a job required a skill I didn't have, like authoring systems for e-learning, I taught myself or I learned on the job or I found someone to teach me. So the number one piece of advice I have for women and men (laughs) um, who leave the workforce to raise kids or maybe take care of elderly parents um, and then want to re-enter or just keep your career firing on all cylinders for the long haul, keep your tech skills up. Um, I had a conversation with a high school friend about you know, she had stepped off the career path to chair a fundraiser at her kid's school and was active doing volunteer work. And so she felt she could just step right back into the workforce. But I said, well, there's one caveat. Those are good transferable skills, but unless you have current technical skills, you will be passed over by all of those digital native millennials. So I, I know stuff now like WordPress and MailChimp and blogging platforms and Hootsuite, social media, uh, content management systems. I know things now that I never dreamed I would be learning in my lifetime, 
but I learn them and whatever it takes and and just figure out how to keep those technical skills relevant. And I also really enjoy using all this technology, but it's not something that you can, you know, kind of push off to the side. Um, so that was something I, you know, I, just out of necessity, I had to learn all these things, but it should also be by design and by choice. I love how you said too, look, I either taught myself or I asked someone and I learned from someone else. And I, I yeah. truly appreciate that because so often people assume that they need to go back to school, uh, go back to university and, and be in a degree granting program. And that could work for some, but often it, it's it's particular programs and particular platforms. And, and you can teach yourself those things. There are a lot of great tutorials online. I want to go back to your, your experience as a mom. And you shared in a beautiful blog post that you wrote that is on my website. I'm, I'm honored to have that on there, and I hope our listeners will go Thank and check you. that out. You're such an extraordinary writer. But you talked about being vulnerable, in, and before your twins were born, you struggled with infertility, and that was a really tough time emotionally. How did that impact your career? Because that's the thing that so many women and men experience, but we're not talking about it. And that emotional shift in priorities when raising a family, Tell me about how you navigated that emotional journey. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster of hope and despair for five years and rounds and rounds of tests and artificial insemination and in vitro fertilization. And I was almost ready to give up. Um, but on the last roll of the dice, I did get pregnant although I wasn't out of the woods yet because I had a high-risk pregnancy, premature delivery, and some health issues for my son. So that first year was really just an exhausted blur, um, but no complaints because I, it really was um, a miracle, and I'm so grateful to have my children. So when I returned to work, I was working for Accenture at the time, and I asked them if I could work 80%. Well, this was in the early 90s uh, when flexible part-time roles were either non-existent or just gaining a little bit of acceptance. And I remember my boss looked at me like I had two heads and, and so just said, well, no one's ever done that before. Let's see, uh, at least at a management, you know, partner track level. Well, let's see what we can do. So um, they said, sure, let's try it. And I was highly motivated to make it work. And that, you know, the point was that I gave them a proposal and a plan that would benefit my employer, Accenture, as well, obviously it would benefit me. Um, but we thought through it and we put together a plan and Wednesday was kids day and there were a few exceptions and there were some bumps in the road, but I really wanted to carve out just a little bit of precious time with my kids on a weekly basis and, you know, it was a, it was a dream. I, I, I don't know if my kids remember that much, but I just have such good memories of being able to focus on them for a full day in addition to evenings and weekends. Um, and there were interesting, there are a number of mostly female, but probably a few men too, they just didn't come forward, of my peers at Accenture came up to me and said, oh my gosh, I am so grateful that you paved the way for other part-timers. I've been wanting to do thinking about this, but, uh, you know, I just didn't think it was an option. So I was happy that I was able to kind of break the mold as well. And my twins are now 24. Um, my daughter has her first real career job and my son's in grad school, you know, and they see me charting my own 
career path, but also being a hands-on engaged parent at the same time. So hopefully that's a good model for them. And I'm really proud of them. And I'm also proud of myself. It kind of goes back to that. You don't know if you don't go. Well, can I work part-time? Well, I don't know. I got to I got to talk to somebody and give it a try. So there were some definitely some many, many moments where I was just flat out exhausted doing everything, but this too shall pass and, uh, you know, planted some good seeds for um, setting myself up for success long term. So you really are an inspiration. And, and not only at that point in your career, but now because so many parents are struggling with asking about flexible work schedules Mm -hmm. or part-time or flex time. And you're right. So many companies, even in today's standards, say, well, we've never done that. Well, it's time to start. So Mm -hmm. thank you for giving people the courage to ask. And you'll never get it if you don't ask. And look what happened to you. So you are absolutely a role model. So I want to wrap up and ask, do you have a, a principle that you honor in your life today about how important it is to be kind to yourself and really think about that self-care and nurturing? Um, I think, you know, I think my philosophy is fairly simple. Everyone has to know where they lie on like an introvert, extrovert continuum. Um, Most people are ambiverts, maybe somewhere kind of in the middle. Um, For me, I get a lot of social interaction through my job. I enjoy social interaction, but I'm a little bit on the introverted side in that it drains me. I know there's other people like extroverts. It gives them energy. It sucks the energy out of me in addition to parenting and other things. So I know myself and I know that I need to make it a priority to recharge. So for me, that means occasionally saying no to an invitation to get together with some friends or go to a networking event. Um, And also scheduling enough time for exercise. For me, it's running. Running works for me, may not work for other people, but um, especially as a, you know, busy working mom, you know, in the, in the heyday, you know, running's free. It takes no special equipment beyond shoes. I can do it on my own timetable, you know, run out my front door and but more importantly it's good mental and physical therapy for me so that's something i know that if i don't get enough i start to twitch a little bit and it's a good stress reliever and i also you know solve word problems or a writing challenge how do i get this message across if i just kind of unleash my brain a little bit and let it and let it percolate because my brain's going all the time so that's um you know, and there's never enough time for anything, but you just try to hope that you get enough at different stages in a day or a week or, you know, a year to focus on things that really matter. So it might be simple, but uh, that works for me. Good for you. Good for you. And I want to mention that you're thriving in your role as a marketing communications writer and editor at Benetech, a technology nonprofit in Silicon Valley that develops software for social good. So, Laura, cheers to you. Thank you so much for joining me on Your Working Life. I'm so grateful for your candor and insight about how to navigate those choppy career waters in the midst of life's twists and turns. You are incredible. Well, thank you, Caroline, for having me and uh, for allowing me to share my story. And and hopefully there's a few nuggets that could help other people in their career and life journey. 
Absolutely. Lots of great wisdom to share. And hey, if you're listening and like the show, subscribe. Find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review and let us know what career-related questions you might have and we'll address them on a future show. Of course, you can tweet me at cdowdhiggins or send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks so much for listening.